Welcome to the Vicarage. Uh, my name's John. Uh, with me is Michael. Hello. We're outside Vicarage Road before Watford uh, play West Ham. We've got coming on this podcast. We're going to be speaking to Stefano Okaka. Uh, we're going to chat about uh, embarrassing Watford moments. Uh, plus, we're going to talk about this game. Whatever happens. Will it be like the uh, game here last year? Watford win? Will it be like the away game at the uh, Olympic Stadium uh, this year? We'll win. It's going to be two-two. Two-two. So, there you go. Both if, you're listening to the, if you're miraculously listening to this podcast before the game, get your money on 2-2. Thank me later. <laughs> but uh, let's time travel now, Michael, to later this evening where Jason, I and you will gather together to talk about this game. And we time travel to Sunday. Jason is out with us. Uh, good evening, Jason. Uh, Mike is still here with me. We've watched the game, uh, Watford 1, West Ham 1. Uh, and I want to start at the end, the very, very end, just before the whistle. Jason, uh, I, I, in, in the game, I, I just thought it was a, a, a bouncing the ball around. Uh, but having watched Match of the Day, oh, that was actually a, a proper chance of success. There were, there, were, there were two things for me, really. There, there was success. And there was also, just before that, Deeney sort of put his arms up for handball, claiming a handball, I think. And it looked like the ball was right in front of him. And he'd sort of turned turned away from it and my initial thought then was why didn't you just stick the bloody thing in the back of the net I thought he had a chance at getting getting hold of the ball I'd need to see it back if that was the case but then yeah ball's come out ping back he's gone back to Deeney he's flicked it across with his head mm. and success he's, he's it's, it's a bloody ballet dance today it's like he pirouetted <laughs> yeah and it did look like and I, and I hope it's not the case but it did look like he was thinking more about he was about to get clattered by the keeper I'm more worried about that than going for the ball. I hope that's not the case, but that that is really what it looked like. Yeah, he was sort of flinging his leg towards it. Um, but I suppose, Mike, the the yeah, the overall though, as we always say, I suppose in in this day and age, well, I would have taken a draw. But Walter, probably through a translator, he did say, uh, I don't really know if I'm happy uh, after going ahead. I'm disappointed to draw, but at one-one, they still pushed us. Are you disappointed with the game? Well, first things first, um, thanks to you both for the credit for me calling the draw before the game. <laughs> Admittedly, I said it would be 2-2, but if, uh, if you did miraculously manage to listen to the podcast before it was recorded, edited and released, I hope you got on the draw and uh, I got a little bunch for your uh, summer holidays. I could kind of understand what, what Matsari means. Um, I've got limited uh, um, sympathy for him, and I'll come on to that. But yeah, I think Watford started really well. First fifteen minutes was was great. I thought they, we got the early goal, um, and we saw we, when Watford play well, it tends to be um, on the back of a, of a of a decent start. And we got that. We got the we got the penalty, which I thought Troy took expertly. I thought that was uh, a joy to behold him seeing that tuck, tuck that in the corner because penalties aren't a, aren't a given as we as we know with Herrera up at the up at the other end. And then Niang was very. Well, not unlucky, but his his shot, um, which it felt like it was quite close after, probably within the first ten minutes, certainly, and it went over the bar. But actually, it was probably only a couple of inches in it. It was a dry, it was a rising drive, so it actually looked like it was going comfortably over. But I think a couple of inches lower, and that would have been an an in off the bottom of the crossbar, spectacular sort of uh, Tony Eboa esque. That that would have been if that had gone in. If it had that gone in, it would have been a very, very different game. So, an encouraging start. A bit of a bit of luck in a fair wind. We could have been tuned up and and almost home and hose. But as it was, we sort of retreated a little bit. Um, Zarati had a very very uh, good start as well. He was the one that was getting us ticking, uh, getting the ball and driving on and getting forward and and beating a man. I think he was probably g'd up by the fact it was against one of his former clubs. Um, but his performance initially was 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 really quite good. But 
after the first 15 minutes, we sort of seemed to, to retreat back into ourselves a little bit. It was his injury that sort of, I, I think, was a turning point for the whole game in, in several different ways. You know, he was the one causing problems. Um, and, you know, that original tackle where he injured his leg did look like his leg was flung. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't see him go down a second time, but then watching match of the day, you sort of just, he literally drops. He sort of does a slightly awkward turn, drops to the floor. And, and it was his, you know, his, his type of play and the way he was playing that, that gave us that, that variety, I suppose, that we lacked afterwards. Yeah, he was very important. I think in terms of the injury, I, th- I have to say, I think he was quite lucky with that with the initial one. Was it about after 20, 25 minutes when, when he, he went down initially? I think mm. he was quite lucky to get away with that because I think it was a bit of a naughty challenge from him. I think he sort of, it was a little bit over the ball and uh, I'd have to confess I haven't seen it again on, on Match of the Day. But uh, I, I think it was a dodgy one where, where, and he was, he was lucky to get away with that. But you're absolutely right, John. And the, and the reason he was so important was I think Niang didn't get into the game at all. I mentioned his shot. Um, apart from that, the only thing I can really remember from him, apart from the sort of bits of niggles he got, got involved with, was he beat... Um, uh, he beat the West Ham number eight for pace down the down the left wing in the second half. But apart from that, he didn't really get into the game. And Capu uh, had a bit of an off day. Uh, I know, with, well, well, well. Capu uh, off day are rarer than a Capu on day. Come on, come on. <laughs> it was unfortunately the the Capu we're used to. Yeah, you're yeah. right. But but you're okay. right, Mike. The, the Niang. It was his first poor game for us, and mm. it, you know, I suppose a little bit his youth and lack of experience of how to deal with you know that sort of thing did sort of start to shine through I think I think he was heavily marshalled by West Ham. I think they'd obviously done their homework and seen seen that he'd had an impact in the in the games he played. So I think there was a lot of attention on him, um, and he certainly didn't have the freedom to to roam. He didn't have the freedom and and the space to get up ahead of steam that he has had in in previous games. And uh, yeah, he certainly was. Um, he came in for some some attention for the duration of the of the game. And yeah, he he really struggled. And with with Zarati not there and and Niang the the, the other guy that we've been looking to for a bit of creativity and, and forward thrust, if you like, uh, with him failing to do it. To be perfectly honest, it was um, it was a pretty flat attacking performance from Watford after that first 15 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I think we we missed that, you know, th- th- those two components, if you like, uh, resulted in, yeah, it was an intriguing watch, um, but it wasn't massively entertaining from Watford point of view. And I know, I know a lot of people were, were disappointed um, with the with the setup and the way that, that that we reacted to that great start and how we didn't how we didn't uh, capitalise on it. Well, the great start with this, Jason. There's two things about that. Firstly, the fact that the, the players that won the pitch, you know, you sort of said to me, "Have we got a limited range of performances and ways of, of setting up?" Did it feel like we you know, it showed our, our limitations? Um, the, I don't know the the. Um the start was good like you say and I think we probably had near as damn it our our best side out there obviously we know um, Pereira's out long term and Amrabat's been off but that what we had was a was a very strong lineup. Oh, by the way I don't think the strongest lineup we could have, have on Twitter at Waffle Podcast uh, Mike did ask um, about what would be your favourite starting lineup. Um, and uh, I think the best one we had was uh, Gomez in goal, 
uh, in defence, Prudel, 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 Prudel. Um, <laughs> in front of him, Cleverly, Cleverly, then Niang, 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 and then Dini. And if we could do that, I think yeah, that's the championship sewn up, you know, if we could do that every single week. It's not, but um, yeah, like I say, but it, 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 there was nothing wrong with that, that starting eleven. Yeah, and then probably, yes, it, I don't, we... We had to get, we know we had to get these creative players in because we were very limited with our attacking options. So we had to get Niang in, we had to get um, Zerate in, uh, and all of a sudden that gave us a bit of creativity. So as soon as one of those player players go, then we looked like we were going to struggle. And, and I suppose, Jason, then we, we made substitutions. Decore came on for Zerati. That, well, what do you think of him? I, I agreed with that substitution at the time because I thought we were just starting to get overrun in the midfield. I thought Decore might bring us something a bit more solid in the middle. It seemed to have a slightly different effect in that West Ham didn't have to worry as much defensively with Decore on the pitch. Mm. All of a sudden, Lanzini was finding a lot more room and they were able to make a lot more movement in midfield and give Lanzini the ball when he ended up running the show, I thought, second half. So... They say attack is the best form of defence, and I think that kind of showed what happened. I'm not sure, had success come on, it would have been any different, really, given the game you had. In terms of answering your first question, did it show our limitations? Yes, it did. I think Dekure, it, it struck me that Dekure, it was, it was like his early performances... Um, when he was, he was ineffective when he first came into the team and it felt like he was a bit betwixt and between it didn't really feel like he was 100% sure what his role was and whether it was to stick or twist whether he was um, expected to add that sort of attacking dynamism because it, he just set, he just he just seemed sort of stuck in the middle and it was one of the most anonymous performances I've seen from, from a Watford player in, in quite a long time I can understand why people were were disappointed that success didn't come on for Zarate, but I still wonder whether there's big question marks over over success's fitness and his ability to go sort of 45, 50 minutes because the game was still there to have an impact on and he only came on with, what, seven or eight minutes to go. And I think that speaks a lot, not about his talent, not about what Matsari, uh, his level of belief in him, because I don't think there's really any any doubt now that people at Watford think he is he is as good as we think he is I think there's just a fitness issue there so I think his his hands were tied in, in terms of that but yeah I understand why people were frustrated not not to see him earlier but I think it may well have been the fitness the other injury can we touch on the other injury yeah. which was um, Jan Matt. which was Jan Matt and to be perfectly honest while I was disappointing to see him come off it looked like he was touching holding his sort of groin area so I wonder if it's a little tweak there he was moving quite freely so he, he came off under his own steam so hopefully it's not too serious but to be perfectly honest chaps I wasn't that disappointed to see him go off no he didn't because he, I yeah, thought lost a bit I thought we looked exposed down that side particularly in the in the first half I think Niang was supposed to be sort of perhaps offering a bit of cover in there which which wasn't really coming um yeah, so down our right-hand side, the West Ham left in the first half, I thought Jan Matt looked exposed a couple of times. So I was sort of in, in some ways quite happy to see Cathcart come on and I mentioned Decore being anonymous. I can't really recall Cathcart doing too much, which is great, which for, for half an hour for a, def- for a defender is what you want to be, um, what you want to be uh, experiencing. Let's talk about those substitutions. You know, on the bench, Alaskis, I don't think he was going to come on for either one of those two. Uh, Prudel, Success, Cathcart, Decore, Zuniga and Okaka. Um, were they the right substitutions? I know you said, you know, when when Decore came on, 
and we are post game and we can look back and, and be geniuses now. But you know, looking back, Jason, was he the, the, the best one or would you, would you now have wanted to put success on earlier? Easy to say things in hindsight, yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I still don't think I'd have bought success on earlier. Perhaps perhaps Zuniga could have come on hmm. instead of Decore. Perhaps he'd have given us a bit more bite in midfield. Certainly a, a bit more experience in midfield. We remember Decore still a youngster, uh, and Zuniga's played top-level European football for for a while. I, I, perhaps perhaps he'd have been the man. He'd have, we've seen him impact before. Um, and the thing I like uh, the thing I like about Zuniga is that he gets he gets involved in the play and he's, he seems to be brilliant at winning free kicks. Um, and that's not cheating or diving. I think it's just he, he's quick to the ball. He gets quicker than I think people think he he can get to the ball and he sort of draws a challenge. Uh, God, you sound like a Bournemouth fan now, Jace. <laughs> but but it's, it, it's, it's part of football. It's part of tactics. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's what happens. Uh, and what that does is it, it, it breaks up the play. And, and we needed that yesterday, particularly in that second half when West Ham had all that possession and all that play going through Lanzini, yeah. if Zunica could have got in there, won the ball, drawn a few, a few free kicks, take mm. that momentum away from West Ham, it, it, it could have been a slightly different story. But as we said at the start, it's, that's hindsight, isn't it? And, and easy to say now. The big problem was, fellas, that we just, we were unable to create anything. It, it just, it was, it, I don't think it was a conscious effort, as some people are suggesting, just to, to hold on to that that one goal lead that we, we got after two or three minutes and, and correct me if I'm wrong I don't think that was the, the intention for, for Matsari just to shut up shop and try and hold on to one if it was he's bonkers because well, I think we've what, kept one clean sheet in 16 games so it's hardly a, a tried and tested tactic is it um, but I think the concern is you know why didn't we why weren't we able to, to create chances why weren't we I... able to, to, to put West Ham on the back foot uh, I think Cleverly did okay he had to work hard to sort of carve a few opportunities and there was a bit of quick feet and some neat passing that got got Holobas away a couple of times who I thought was profligate when he had he had good opportunities to cross he made some poor poor decision making at, at least twice when he could have got the ball across earlier so that was that was I guess was the is the sort of thing that's nagging away at me it's just quite why we weren't able to to create more and, and stop West Ham now I know Lanzini is a, is a good player and I think Antonio is a is a handful and uh uh, what's his name? Is it Coyote? Is 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 a handful as well. So those three guys made it difficult for us. And I think whilst we never looked comfortable, I thought we dealt with them okay. In as much as they were, they didn't have too many clear cut opportunities. But that's the thing that's just n- nagging away at me is why weren't we able to 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 create more ourselves? It sort of felt a bit more like the the pre Arsenal Watford that we were we were not enjoying so so much and yeah I just don't know quite what the answer to to that is and whether it's as simple as a as an incorrect substitution or not for for me I think that the fact we weren't able to create anything is because we couldn't hold on to the ball for more mm. than mm. a couple of passes we, it, it was it was criminal Capu I think was top of that list as like we said before he he, he does have the odd bad day here and there uh, being kind but the, yeah, the number of times he seemed to give the ball away Barami again he's passing not been too great he, I thought he did an excellent job sort of hassling and sort of in that defensive midfield possession he was getting around the pitch excellent putting some great tackles in but again when we had the ball making the wrong decisions and yeah like you say Holobas as well on the attack a couple of great runs and then sort of released it too late. It was almost like watching uh, your back at Vicarage Road. <laughs> we dealt with it actually quite well. It wasn't pretty, but I actually think we defended quite nicely. 
it was effective if 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 not sort of it's not going to win any beauty contests but i think they they dug in quite well you know britos had a bit of a torrid afternoon and he had to slice a couple away um there's a last ditch header from Hollobass in the second half to 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 get rid of a, a, a dangerous looking corner so whilst it wasn't pretty i thought lack bearing in mind we were lacking Prudel, who brings a uh, some composure and a bit of solidity to that to that back line. I thought they they did well in the face of some some tricky stuff. I will confess it was it was by far and away not the most sort of cohesive performance, but I think they deserve a little bit of credit for for sticking with it. Bearing in mind, like Jay said, we we were losing the ball and so so often and we're up against it so frequently. So I think a little nod, little nod to that d- defensive unit for for standing firm and getting away with what ultimately. Bearing in mind the performance, bearing in mind some decent form from West Ham, I think it's a, I think, I think a one-all draw is a, is a creditable result, um, and overall, I'm happy with it. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin, and he's a son called Arlo, uh, and this is our weekly feature. Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Did you enjoy the game yesterday? Yeah. You did? Good. Okay, now, unfortunately, one of the downsides of, the, of yesterday's game was that we know that uh, Zerati got injured, didn't we? He got quite badly nobbled. So we want him to get better soon, don't we? Yeah. What do you do to get to get better when you're not very well? Play computer games. What else? Stay in bed. Anything else? Plan your wee. So that's your advice to Maya Azzaretti, is it? Yep. All those things. All right, Arlo, thanks very much for joining us. Bye. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. It's one of the things that's happened this week, Mike. The big thing that's been the outpour of... Uh, opinion in the Premier League has been the sacking of Claudio Ranieri. Now I'm not going to have a conversation with you about why Leicester might have sacked him and was it right, was it wrong and all the rest of it because we're, we're sort of, you know, welcome to the party kids, yeah. uh, we're Watford fans, uh, we, we sack our managers when we regularly, 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 when we want. Um, are you surprised by it, in, you know, as a, in modern day football, you can't be surprised by it. It's a really difficult one, and as you rightly oh, say, I think we're in a we're in a situation where we've got first-hand experience of exactly what the Leicester fans will be going through. Um, to a lesser degree, it's exactly what happened with Kike. A successful season, obviously nowhere near near the, the the heights that Leicester hit, but had a successful season. We binned him off, and there was widespread. Um, lack of understanding, outcry, wringing of hands by people, some inside Watford, and but pretty much 99% of everyone looking outside in was amazed that we got rid of Kike. And I think it's a similar sort of waiting towards the, the, to getting rid of Ranieri. And so I've Because the thing is, though, as Watt fans, when we knew that Kike had gone, I'm not saying we knew everything that goes on behind there, yeah. but we know our club. Yeah. And we weren't overly surprised, though, were we? We weren't, no. We, we, I think we understood why. I think there was a, definitely an ed- element of sadness that it had to happen for, because he was a good guy, Watford had done well under him, and it was, you know, there was an emotional connection with him. So when you see someone disappear, there's, there's, that, there's that human sadness, that side of it. And, but we, I, think it, I, f- I find myself very conflicted because you see people arguing the case for Ranieri staying and, and the case for Kike staying, and the argument tends to be, what do you expect? What more do you want from a manager? In Leicester's case, it's obviously a lot more acute. You won the league, and is this any way to treat him? But if you extend that argument, it's a job for life. 
if you put it in the Watford through a Watford filter, does Kike get a job for life because he kept us up the first year in the Premier League? And the answer is no. And the and the answer is that these football clubs, whether it's Watford, whether it's Leicester, whether it's Manchester United or Chesham United, they all want to get go forward. They all want to go better, and they all want to. They're in the business of winning football matches and 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 getting better. Leicester are getting worse as we talk now. They're in the bottom three yeah. if, if results go their way. Draw your own conclusions as to how the team has been performing. Um, but ultimately, we know how it happens in football. The players might have been underperforming. They might be a, a godless bunch of unmentionables who have got him sacked. But the buck always stops with the manager. And it's sad, but it's no surprise. And I think there's a lot of faux outrage because he's a nice guy. And he delivered the champion, championship for Leicester. I would have liked to have seen him get the job till the end of the year. Yeah. But we know... And we, I don't, we know how it works, and we know what it's like to be a club sort of scrabbling to find their, their rightful place. And people get upset when these clubs, when these clubs have ambition. And should Leicester have ambition to, to not get relegated? I think they absolutely should. Was there a, was there a possibility that with Ranieri staying in charge, they would get relegated? Absolutely. They had to take action. It's upsetting, definitely. Uh, it's the end of a really great fairy tale, certainly. And I'd rather it didn't happen. But as we know, Kike. Watford, it happens because I think you know, managers have they are you know, the, the, the important role of leading a, a, the, the, you know, the team and, and defining what happens on the pitch. You know, you need people to do a job, and that job changes. And that's what I've always liked about the Potsos. It seems to be they've gone right. That man's done his job. Mm-hmm. Maybe he isn't the man to do the next job that's there. Yeah. Um, and maybe Claudio and, and the Leicester boys. Well, I don't I know. What, it's un, it was unheard of what happened. So there's no way you knew what was going to be the next job. I think the, you say those players that haven't performed. But I suspect no one knew how to say, all right, lads, let's go again. Yeah. What is going again? And, uh, you know, I get that. Maybe he wasn't the man to do the job, but I can tell you who would be the man to do that job. And, it, and like I say, it's football and, it, and it's sad. Um, you never know. I we think might have a new manager next season at Watford. You wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, I think the bigger issue potentially is that the play, if players see a fast turnover of manager or head coach, they use that and they can use that to say, right, we don't like this guy, we're going to work to rule um, and ultimately could, could get a manager sacked because they know that there's going to be a new one coming on. There's no that there won't be any, any um, loyalty shown to them because it is such a results-based business. Can clubs afford to drop out of the Premier League? Probably not with their wage bills and the, other, the investment in infrastructure and so on and so forth. So the worry that I have in both the Leicester and Watford parallels is that it does give power to the players. If you're seen to be um, playing far, not fast and loose, that's not fair, but your, the level of commitment that you have to a head coach or a manager is, is finite, is very, is very short term, then it gives a lot of power to players. And that's I guess, would be a concern here at Watford and, and certainly at Leicester because there are obviously rumblings that, that it's them that have gone to, the, gone to the chairman or haven't performed well because they don't like the way it's, it's going. And that's pretty dismal, really. That's, that's sad and you'd hate to see it happen here. But that's that's the re- that's the realistic possibility, and you ha- you have to be you have to be real, and um, you know you have to you have to not view it through yellow tinted glasses. We need to be realistic and accept how these things happen. It's been a really in- interesting time, and it's been but it's been great. And so I think it was, uh, Dave Mullins tweeted uh, tweeted us and, and said, "Isn't it great to see someone else get pelters for, for getting rid of their manager?" So yeah, it, it kind of is. And but it's nice to, to, to feel like we've got a, the inside track on it, really. But another fascinating week in football. <laughs> From the rookery end. Uh, we haven't had a player interview on this podcast for a while. Uh, and uh, this week we have the lovely pleasure of uh, Stefano Okarka. I half hoped that, you know, the, the, the game at West Ham, we were 2-0 down, we'd come back, we're winning the game, he came on, 
was a whirlwind and went off after five minutes. And I sort of hope that would be his only ever time as a Watford player because you go, he was amazing for 10 minutes and you never know what he could have been. But he's back and he, you know, he had a great game, a home game here against Everton. It's an interesting position at the moment in the, in the team. He's, he's there. He's turned into Mr. Off the Bench or you feel yeah. like that's, that's where he's going now. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think... You know, I've been pretty clear my my views on um, Stefano Lukaku. That's not going to change because we've spoken to him on the podcast. I think he's I think he's fairly limited in terms of in terms of what he offers. That's not a bad thing. We've seen him have a massive impact. We like you may say when he came on against West Ham, he performed magnificently against Everton. We saw two great goals. So he's obviously got something to offer, but I think it is limited. I think it's great to have a different sort of type of player to come on um, as a substitute we've got Isaac Success who can get his head down beat a man and, and cause absolute chaos where Stefano Akako perhaps fills in where the, the void that um, Igalo left in terms of a sort of a, a more sort of big backside striker sort of you know playing down the middle and holding the ball up a little bit so I think it's another example he's another example of us having all the pieces in the puzzle and they're finally, finally slotting them into place. And yeah, it just feels like having him as a squad player is, is great. It's great. I caught up with him um, over the half-term uh, Watford here at the stadium, had a media centre open and so the Junior Hornets got to come in and ask Stefano and Gomez uh, a couple of questions, uh, which was brilliant because it felt like I remember those moments when I was a Junior Hornet. Uh, and afterwards, I caught up with him in the away changing room. Uh, we just finished an event upstairs yeah. with uh, with all the junior hornets. Was is that terrifying? Is it was it all right? No, 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 not terrifying because I don't have a scare to speak. But it was nice because uh, it was the first time for uh, for me, and uh, I improved my English. I think it's not bad. So it was good. The kids enjoyed it a lot. We've begun to enjoy you as a Watford player because of injuries and stuff. There's two games in particular I want to talk about. One was the West Ham game because we were having a great time having been behind and we came back and then you came on like a whirlwind of of it. How was that as your first sort of uh, appearance at Watford um, at at the Olympic Stadium? was nice for uh, the atmosphere but not really nice in the end for me because uh, I get injuries for three months in this game but it's football, it's, uh, it's life so... But it was good, it was good, and uh, we won 4-2, and yeah. uh, so it was good for everybody. Yeah, and the other game we remember you for is that the home game here, yeah. um, where you scored that, that, those two goals. Yeah. The first goal, the flick. Yeah. yeah you're, you're running in, do you think, I'm going to flick it, or is it, or is it like purely instinct? When I saw the ball uh, in this position, I can do only, only the flick for score, so I, I tried to do my best, and uh, the ball was inside the, go- the goal, and... Uh, was good uh, good moment for me but not in the end also yeah. because uh, I get injury another time and uh, but uh, now I'm uh, I'm good so everything is in the past what for have we been you know in our past we've been known for having lots of young players come through the system you came through the Roma system but you went out on loan quite a lot as part of your development is that, is that hard thing to do for such a young player to move around from lots of clubs or do you, do you look back on it thinking that was a good thing for me well, always it's, uh, it's difficult when you go out, go in alone, but uh, when you are young, you have to improve. But for improve, you have to stay in the one club, I think for one year, understand the, the club, the football, professional football, uh, and after you can grow up uh, in, this, in this sport, because if you are young and you six months, in one team, six months, and uh, it's not, it's not, it's not easy. And uh, was like this for me in the beginning, and uh, was uh, really difficult. But after, uh, 
when you when you are older you have uh, more experience more uh, you can do better uh, your job does it make it easier so when you came to Watford you know it was another new club does it make it that sort of that transition between you know when you first start does it make it easy the fact that you've played at lots of different clubs Oh, easy, easy, <laughs> no easy, because every time uh, different club have uh, different people, uh, different country, different city, different attitudes. And uh, every time if you change the club, you have to restart from zero. They know you, maybe they see you two, one, two, three games, or uh, maybe they know you are a good player, but they won't see this in the stadium, so... You have to start from zero, and uh, it's not it's not it's not easy, but it's football. So, was there one player in particular when you came to Watford that helped you sort of settle in? I have to say the truth. Everybody helped me because uh, after uh, ten minutes, I was injury, and uh, everybody was frustrating for my my injuries because it was really not uh, not not normal, but really unlucky because after five minutes, the first game. So everybody helped me and uh, everybody speak with me. So it was easy to become fit uh, another yeah. time. Yeah. Um, what's it like meeting Troy Deeney for the first time? We try is uh, was easy because uh, when we speak, I read the story. I, I say to him, uh, I read your story. No, I respect you because uh, sometimes the life is not easy, and uh, you have to know this to learn about this. And uh, we speak uh, a lot of about about this, but. Everybody respect him because uh, he's seven here uh, and uh, he scored a lot of goals for this club and uh, the people every game uh, show the, the affection. Uh, so nothing, he's a good guy, he's a good teammate and uh, I hope uh, he can score a lot of goals for, for them uh, in this season. Is there a certain goal that you've never scored? An overhead kick? We, you know, we saw the flick, yeah. we've seen some goals from you. Is there a certain goal you still like to... To score, you know, you know the scorpion kick. Like, ah. do, do, is there still a goal you'd like to think I'd like to score that goal? Yeah, maybe this or I don't know. But when you are a striker, if you score, score. So if you score uh, with the head or if you score with the flick, it's the same. It's goal. So I don't care. Now you've got a twin sister, is that right? Yeah. yeah. And she's a volleyball player. Was it a competitive household? Were you always sort of trying to uh, outdo each other? When you were kids, growing up? Uh, when we was young, a little bit, because uh, she is really good player. But uh, now we are uh, older, and uh, now it's uh, like, uh, oh, good luck, good luck, uh, good good goal, oh, good game. So it's nice, because when you have uh, one sister uh, like this, you can argue about sport and uh, problems and uh, you can help uh, your sister she can say to you something because she know she know the life sport so mm. it's nice it's, it's really nice but even if you're playing a board game do you, no. do you get competitive playing little games yeah i think uh, every game is competitive with her because uh, he have uh, this in uh, inside and me also so i think also in christmas if we play cards I want to win as you want to win. So. The Watford fans who are listening to this, have you got a message for them? Yes, thank you for the, the support and uh, I hope to help the, the team, the, the clubs. And uh, I was very happy when uh, first time when I was in the stadium to see the atmosphere uh, in the stadium. And uh, really I was very happy when we, was, we went in Manchester because uh, I saw a lot of uh, supporters in Manchester and I want to say to them, uh, continue like this because uh, we want uh, everybody, we can uh, do good results uh, or this year or in, in the future.
A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. Thank you for everyone who gets involved with the podcast, uh, especially on Twitter, which is at Watford Podcast, or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Watford Podcast. Some great interaction this week. We asked you after the, well, people keep saying pie gate, but actually it was a pasty gate, Mike, because that's what he was eating. The uh, Sutton United reserve goalkeeper uh, got in a bit of trouble and it had been viewed as an, an embarrassing moment. So on uh, Twitter, we asked you what were the embarrassing moments in Watford's history. What do we, what do we get, Mike? Well, because I think it's important to remember that things haven't always been really particularly rosy in the uh, in the Vicarage Road Garden. We have had some some moments uh, that have turned our cheeks a bit rouge um, in the past. One of them, and we just already talked about Leicester on the podcast, so we'll get this one out of the way early, was I think when we recreated the Deeney goal. Yeah. Um, I'm absolutely all for never forgetting that that goal, but we sort of recreated it in its entirety on the pitch uh, before the game. Um, which is a little bit, I thought, unnecessary. We've all got our, we've all got our, uh, our memories of that day. So the execution of that wasn't particularly great or well thought out, I don't think. Well, and it could have been amazing. It could have been amazing if we hadn't lost that game 3-0. Yeah, and then, of course, <laughs> they went on to absolutely batter us. So that, was, um, that wasn't ideal. And I think a lot, of people, a lot of people flagged that one up. Whilst we're on the subject of pre-game uh, missteps... Harry Hornet hasn't always been the worldwide uh, famous superstar. Good luck at the Oscars this week, uh, this weekend, <laughs> Harry. Um, he hasn't been always uh, winning people and uh, uh, influencing people quite as he is now. Uh, and of course, there was the the marriage, wasn't there? I think it was. Was it before Wolves? It was, and uh, Wolfie was his best man. Uh, and if anyone's listened to the, the latest Hornet Heaven, you would have heard the uh, the, the story of uh, Harriet, who's now, of course, in Hornet Heaven, because um, you don't see her around these parts anymore. It, it was a sort of embarrassing being thing. And, and if you go to our uh, hundred objects list, Harriet Hornet's uh, head on a silver platter is one of our objects. But another one of our objects, in fact, is also one of the in the embarrassing list. And I think this one wins it. I think for me this is the, the worst of all and I think I heard it on stood on the family terrace and even as a sort of 10, 11, 12 year old I had an acute embarrassment at this and we were at home to Newcastle so there was obviously going to be uh, a bigger wave following and, and a noise coming from the from the covered rookery terrace as it was then and everyone sort of the game was in, in progress and everyone sort of stopped and looked around and sort of did, did we hear that? Did, and then it happened again and everyone looked around did we? and it became painfully apparent after a while, that Watford were playing canned sound effects, sort of crowd sound effects through the PA, because obviously Watford was quite quiet in those days, we didn't have a cover and so on and so forth, so I'll make excuses for us. The atmosphere wasn't great, so the club in their wisdom had decided to, to pipe in crowd noise. I think, having sort of seen on Twitter since, there's other clubs who have tried it as well, but my goodness gracious me, we could have, we could have done without that. Some of the, 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 the other hits that, uh, that we got, some of the good, the, the, the good embarrassing moments, Mike, what were they? There was the overexcited fan before the final whistle against Sheffield Wednesday, which a lot of people argue cost us the title. That was a pretty cringeworthy moment, wasn't it? It cost many people many thousands of pounds in bets. I think that's the one thing that came through some of the, 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 the tweets we got. Our good friend uh, Kieran, Kieran Tavum, has said that he saw someone with a half-and-half half scarf, which is bad enough, but it was a half-and-half half scarf from the Watford Palace playoff final. Oh, God. Um, so that was something that we all wanted to, to forget. So, so, yeah, that's pretty cringeworthy, digging that out. Mind you, if it was cold and it was the first thing you find, we'll, we'll let that one off, perhaps. Someone said uh, they saw someone in the, uh, in the lower GT eating a hot dog with a, with a, with a knife and fork. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that's really up there, but um, a lot of people didn't like the phones out. 
at Arsenal. Oh, the lights. And they felt that was uh, that was a pretty cringeworthy moment. A lot of people might have been forgiven for thinking this was uh, Jason and I on the on the pitch at <laughs> halftime. But more, this has obviously upset more than one person because we've had a couple of tweets about it. But right, said Fred, oh. singing on the pitch at halftime. What do they sing? I can't remember what, the, what songs they sang. Was, I, it, was it, was it "I'm Too Sexy"? Well, I'd have thought so. That's their, <laughs> their go-to track, isn't it? But I think Dippy Dippy is always my favourite. Right, said Fred. Song. It might have been both of them. You might have got both of them. But I think they mimed. Uh. So that wasn't the height of uh, halftime entertainment. And there was a, there was a moment when. Um, the Osbournes came out, didn't they, at halftime? Sharon and uh, the Prince Sharon? of Darkness, Sharon yeah. and uh, Ozzy came out. I think they were tooting the horn of someone on the X Factor or something, weren't they, at the time? So that was uh, pretty dark. So, yeah, we've had some pretty poor musical uh, interludes as well. But I think these are all slightly less... These are less sort of... I think the, the ones like Harry Harry Hornet getting married were just, oh, my gosh, what were you thinking of? And the pipe, the pipe crowd noise, I love slash hate because I think it's so reminiscent of, a, of, an, of an era where we were scrabbling around trying to be something we're not. Luckily, those times have changed. I've noticed the 1881 today have said they're not going to do flags, they're not going to do banners or anything like that. They're looking to strip back uh, and get the atmosphere going a bit, a bit organically, a bit more naturally. So if you are in the rookery, if you are in the, in the GT, the family stand, uh, wherever you are, I think we've got a responsibility to help those guys out. Let's not give Watford the opportunity to reach for that canned crowd noise ever again. Uh, thank you very much for listening again. Uh, do follow us on our social media-ness, at Watford Podcast, Instagram, Facebook and uh, uh, Twitter. Coming up next, we have Southampton at home. Two home games in a row. It's wonderful. We've got some injuries. Serate, from what he's put on, on Instagram, you know, he's, he's out for the, rest, for the season. Probably going to have an operation on you know, when, you, when your ligaments, two of them, have a, a lot of damage to them. Jase, who who's going to be your starting eleven for the Southampton game? Hopefully Pruder will be back in. I think I'd have him in place of Britos because Kabor for me keeps his place. We, we sort of Mike's mentions he thought we were quite solid at the back, and I think Kabor needs a mention because he made some uh, good stops and good tackles in the game yesterday. We need a right back, don't we? Zuniga. I don't. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Zuniga rather than Cathcart. Midfield three as they were. Niang Dini. You want to say like Amrabat, don't you? Am- you want to say Amrabat, yeah, yeah. As you know, you know I'm thinking Amrabat. I want to say Amrabat, yeah, but yeah. we don't know if he is fit enough. You've got Norden on your mind. You've got Norden on your <laughs> mind. I think he's going to have to bite the bullet and give success a run. OK. Does he have 90 minutes in him? That's the question, Mike. I think this that will answer the question, won't it? I think there'll be a lot of fans very excited to see him see him start from from the from the from the beginning from the get go, um, hmm. <laughs> but I just have that little little feeling that they just they, they don't trust his fitness. I think he would have got more than than seven or eight minutes in in that game. You know, looking at the way Nyang was playing and and the the lack of sort of uh, success we were getting going forward, I think he would have got longer than that were were, were he fit. So we haven't mentioned. And even though he was a, he's now a friend of the podcast because he's just been on this episode, you know, Okaka, would it be better to... I know we're not saying he... We, we have said and he's not the man necessarily to start, but it, maybe he is the man to start this and, and just bring success on for more than seven minutes. Is that safer? I don't think he fits into the way we play. It's either a 4-3-3 three, three or a 4-4-2. Four, sort of 
4-3-2-1, wasn't it? And I don't see how Akaka fits into either the Niang or Zarate role. He's a, he's a bigger guy, a hold up hold up merchant, a, 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 an old fashioned striker. So uh, I I don't know about you, Jace, but I wouldn't see him coming in apart from if Dini Dini was injured or unavailable. Agreed. What should we go do? We go four four two then. Dini in a, in a car cut front a bit rather than being the wide sort of man. I think when it works, when it when it gets going, this four three three or the four four three two one, it's it's quite good. Um, we look solid at the back. We've got we've got players in in the centre there who can do it. We thank heavens for cleverly um, because I think he's been well, almost metronomic since he arrived in terms of his his importance. Too much flakiness from from Kapu again. Uh, lots of diddly little fouls and stuff yesterday, and, uh, and just not good enough. Barami does what he does well, but yeah, I'm repeating ourselves. But I think that four three three is quite exciting, and I think that can that, that can do damage. So I'd, I personally, I would stick with it. I don't know about Amrabat's about Amrabat's fitness, but I'd be more than happy to see him him back in in the team in the uh, in the Zerati role. I'm sure he's absolutely chomping at the bit to get back and, uh, and, and play a part. We've got an extra podcast for you this week. Uh, later in the week, we're going to put out a podcast uh, with a bit of a Watford lady special. Uh, we're going to chat to their brand new manager. We're also going to chat to our friend Kieran, who knows everything there is to know about women's football. Uh, and that'll be out later in the week, probably Thursday. We'll be back again next week talking about the Southampton game. Thank you very much uh, for listening. And uh, remember, do subscribe on uh, iTunes uh, and do leave, uh, leave us a review. Uh, good or bad, just leave us a review. Thank you very much, Mike. You're welcome. Come on, you on it. Love you, Watford. And thank you, Jason. All right, thank you very much. <laughs>